Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Hey, if this is your first time at Revo, welcome. We have, uh, over the last few weeks, been in this series called uh, Mixtape. Uh, all of the chapters written in the book of Psalms were actually songs first. And so we're doing our own little summer mixtape here as we look through the book of Psalms. And I want to uh, speak this morning uh, on the most popular. Historians say this is the most popular song in all of the world. More people know these lyrics, more people have heard this song, sung this song, read this song than any other song in the history of the world. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 23, uh, the the psalm about the Good Shepherd. Now, this is by far in, in my ministry the text that people request when they ask me to do a funeral. Uh, for a loved one that has died in their family. But, and, I, and I, I love doing that, but I'm excited about speaking about it this morning because I think this chapter is so much more beneficial for you alive than it is dead. And so I'm going to preach it this morning as you're alive. And then if you die before I do and you want me to do your message, then I will preach it again. Uh, but you won't be there and won't hear it. So, heads up, here's your funeral message. Uh, you're welcome. Psalm chapter 23, one of the most popular chapters in Psalm. Uh, Even if you aren't a Christian, people know Psalm 23. They don't know it's in the Bible. They don't know that it's God's word. Like they they don't know that that David penned it, but but they can say it. They can quote it. They've heard it before. Um, In in our culture and society, it's it's very popular. Uh, A bunch of songs. You too wrote a song with Psalm 23. Kanye West wrote a song. I know a bunch of Yeezy fans in here. Kanye West wrote a song. Uh, throwback to the 90s, Coolio wrote a song, quoting this. You guys remember that? As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, y'all need to, y'all need to change the radio station from whatever y'all are listening to. Man, so popular. It's okay to listen to rap every, every now and then. It's fine. On September 11th, 2001, President Bush addressed a nation that was desperate for peace and comfort. And to a national address that was picked up worldwide, he read Psalm 23 when people were desperate for answers and desperate for peace. And so I want to look at this and look at how this text matters, not just for a family that is grieving, but how this text changes our lives today, why it matters for us today. One of the most popular songs. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's how he drops the beat. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you ever view God like that? Like David paints a picture of God and he says, this is a God that provides. If he is the shepherd, then there is nothing that you lack. There's nothing that you want. There's nothing that you desire. You know, a lot of people view God as big or creator of the world or omnipresent or omniscient, all these kind of big words, but do you ever view God as the one that provides for every single one of your needs? That he is the the good shepherd that allows us to live a life in which we want for nothing, we desire for nothing, there are no holes, there are no wants that are left unfilled. That's the picture of God that, that David paints. Yes, he's mighty. Yes, he's the creator. Yes, he's the sustainer of the world, but the Lord is also my shepherd. I shall lack 
nothing. I shall want nothing. There shall be nothing that is void in, in my life. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. Now, admittedly, over the past few weeks, I have done more research on sheep and shepherding than I would have ever imagined uh, just to prepare for this, because you can't really understand this without some detail. See, David was a shepherd, and so he was speaking about what he knew, but if we don't kind of know some of the ins and outs, then this text really is kind of a head-scratcher for us, like leading sheep to grass and water, Okay, whatever does that mean? Like, I've, I've never even seen a sheep unless they were in a zoo before. And so, like, what, what, is that, what does that mean? So as I'm, I'm thinking about that. I'm looking it up this week and talking about the dynamics and studying the dynamics of being a shepherd. And I, and I realized something, um, that, that sheep are very uh, fearful animals. They're very skittish. They're very scared. And if a sheep is scared, there are certain things that they will not do. If a sheep is scared, they will not eat. If a sheep is scared, they will not lie down. Uh, they will not drink. They have to be free from fear, externally and internally. They have to be free from being bothered, whether that's by pests and gnats and flies. They're, they're, they, they have to be focused and fear-free in order for them to do what they need to do to survive. So it's interesting that, that God says that as the good shepherd, I will help you eat, I will lead you to a place where you can drink, I will give you rest, because until those fears are eliminated, there's no way that we can live the life that God has called us to. I read that sheep can get so desperate for a hunger, a physical hunger, that they will search out green pastures, green grass somewhere. And, and I've read stories of where sheeps put their head through a fence in order to reach green grass that was on the other side, and they strained so hard and pushed so hard that they ended up strangling themselves inside of the fence just trying to grab what they thought would bring them satisfaction. And as I read that, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, is this not the world we live in today? That we are on a desperate cycle of reaching and searching for things that we think will bring us satisfaction. That green grass on the other side that looks so great and we will stretch and we will sacrifice and we will stick our neck through the fence to the point that it will kill us in pursuit of what we think will bring us happiness. In the pursuit of joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. And here the good shepherd acknowledges that the sheep desires the good and says, I will lead you to the pastures, to the green that you always wanted. I will read, lead you to the still waters. Now see, in, in, in sheep terms, they call that going after the green grass. In America, we call that drive. <laughs> like, oh man, i got to drive. I want to drive to be successful and drive to make money. And a, I'll wake up earlier than everybody else and stay later than everyone else. And I will save and spend and invest. And like, I, will, I will do so much because I'm, there's a goal that I have. There's something that I'm shooting for. And, and here the good shepherd says, I know you have a drive. I've created that and I'm going to show you what you want. I'm going to not just show you, but I'm going to lead you to it. And eliminate those fears and those anxieties inside and outside so that you can finally find the rest and finally find the meaning and sacrifice. Uh, sanctification that you desire and what you're looking for. Another fun fact about sheep, uh, sheep are afraid of water. Um, they're afraid of running water, especially rushing water or moving water. They're afraid of the sound of it. They're afraid of the, the speed of it. And so a shepherd has to work really hard to find water for the sheep to drink. 
In fact, here's what sheep will do. It's crazy. The, the sheep, as they walk down a path, they will walk in a single line. Obviously, they will stomp the grass down uh, around them, and they will create like a trough that they walk through. And as sheep walk, they do certain things. They use the bathroom. They like shed hair and fur and whatever that is all over them, wool. Uh, and, and, and what happens is the rains will come, and the rain will fill the trough that they walk through. They will fill the footprints. And sheep are so scared and so desperate for calm water that the sheep will turn back around and they will drink the water inside their own footprints. And it'll make them sick because it's filled with their bodily wastes. But they're so afraid of running water, so afraid of rushing water, that that's what they're willing to do, to risk their own life in pursuit of water that fulfills Actually, I'm not surprised uh, that sheep are scared of water because I was thinking, like, what, what, what's the big deal with water? Is it the sound? Is it the speed? Uh, but really, when you think about it, like, a sheep is nothing but a living sponge. You know, like, if they fell in the water, like, they would absorb that and sink straight to the bottom. <laughs> like, those little popsicle legs are not going to keep them afloat. <laughs> like, <laughs> if something happens, like, the shepherd, like, you get so heavy. You ever, like, jumped in a pool with a shirt on and it gets all heavy? Like, these guys have like 50 shirts on and 50 pairs of pants when they get in the water. Like, it's over for them. So they don't even want to get anywhere near the water. So think about that analogy when Scripture says that the good shepherd will lead you to calm, still waters. Ones that you don't have to worry about falling in and your skin absorbing all of it and you drowning. Or you getting turned upside down and you can't figure out what's next and how to get out. Like that they're so desperate for living water that they would go and try to find water even in their own footsteps, even though it's soiled and contaminated. And, and God says, you want to know what a good shepherd does? good shepherd leads the sheep to green grass, pastures, and also to clean, still waters. Sometimes our American ambition and drive gets the best of us. In, in verse 3, he says, He restores my soul. That's what the good shepherd does. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his own name's sake. See, what we see the scriptures say here is that the shepherd does to the sheep is God will look out for the sheep. God will bless the sheep. God will give the sheep everything that they need, but it is for a purpose. It's for his glory. See, he will provide every one of your needs for his glory. And so what happens is God blesses us, God provides for us, he gives us the peace, the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the purpose that we desire. And here's how it's designed. It's so that we will then take what God has given us and turn it around and give him the glory for it. What happens is your life is moving in the right direction. It's on the path that God has for you. You are honoring God. You're loving God. You're finding your peace and your joy and your satisfaction in God. And here's what happens. One of your friends turns to you and says, there's something different about you. And there's something different. Like, like you're happy. You're joyful. You seem to have a good attitude. You seem not to be in the rat race. You seem not to be worried about what everybody else is worrying about. Like you just have kind of a peace about you. Like what is this all about? And because the scripture says that we are, we, this happens in our life so that God will get the glory. Here's, here's sometimes where we fall. Somebody would give us a compliment and we'll have the attitude of that was all me. Man, you, you seem to have everything together. Yeah, well, I worked hard for it. 
Man, you seem to have a good life. Well, that's what happens when you get up when I do, and you work as hard as I do, and you study as hard as I do, and you make good decisions like I did, and you sacrifice like I did, and you make the right choices in your life. If you do that, then you can reach my spot as well. And the whole time, God is providing and blessing and giving, and unfortunately, most people take the credit for themselves. But what if we were people that when God blessed and God gave and someone said something to us about it, we pointed all the glory and the honor back to God. Why? I'll tell you why, man. I got a good shepherd. You, you don't understand. You don't understand who I'm following. You don't understand the path that I have was designed by him, and he has me there. And I'm just, I'm just doing what God told me to do. I know God has something for me, the path of righteousness that he leads me in for, for his name's sake. The first thing that I want you to remember this morning is this. God guides us towards what is good for us. God guides us towards what is good for us. Now, I know that flies in the face of what some of you have heard about God. Because sometimes when you think of God or giving your life to Jesus or living in a way that honors him, you think that's taking my freedoms away, uh, that's taking the fun away, uh, it, it won't be as great, like my life will be boring, uh, it'd be a bunch of rules. Like, they, I, I, okay, I get it that I need to follow Jesus, but don't tell me that it's the good path. Like, the good path is what I want to be on, but the God path is what I find myself on now. And that's not what Scripture says. It says that God actually leads us to the good things, the good path, the good future. We just got to learn how to trust Him. I'll tell you a story that happened in my house uh, recently. Uh, we celebrated um, some birthdays in my family, and uh, the other day... Uh, we had this, uh, the leftover birthday cake. It was about three days old at this point. And uh, it was on the counter, and my girls, uh, my, both my daughters, uh, they know that if they clean their plate at dinner, they can get dessert. And so both my girls ate all their, uh, was on their plate, all their green beans. My, my youngest daughter jumps up, and she goes and walks over to the counter, and she picks up this, this piece of cake that was on the birthday plate, wrapped in saran wrap. It's all hard on the outside now. It's three days old. And uh, she gets up and grabs it. Now, Elizabeth, my wife, she's getting ready to leave for her R group. And, um, and so it'll be just me and the girls that night. And so I told Lydia, I said, Lydia, uh, put that back. Uh, I got something planned. And uh, Elizabeth uh, realized what, what I was doing. And she said, do you really think they need sugar like this late at night? I was like, well, we're not making decisions based on need at this moment. It's based on want. <laughs> So the answer is no, but we're going anyway. And so she left for our group to learn about Jesus. And so it's all me now. And so, but it was interesting. My, my youngest daughter, she was devastated when she told me, when I told her that she couldn't have that cake. I was like, you can't have that dessert. She's like, but dad, dad, she's cradling this three-day-old piece of cake that's all hard. She's like, but dad, I ate all my green beans and I didn't want to eat them. Dad, if I clean my plate, then I know what's going to happen. Like, you told me I could have this dessert. Now, it's very interesting what my older daughter did. My older daughter went up to the counter and grabbed her three-day-old piece of cake, and when she heard her dad say, hey, girls, put that down. I got something planned. She immediately put it down because Leah's been rolling with me longer than Lydia has. <laughs> Leah knows when dad says, you can't have that, I've got something else planned, she knows Dad always has something better planned. Lydia, she hadn't been rolling with me long enough. She's like, no, my cake, my precious, I want this cake. I, I want this three-day. No, I want his birthday cake. And so I finally convinced her. I said, Lydia, I got something planned. And sometimes Elizabeth would jump in. She's like, oh, oh, you know what dad means when he says he has something planned. 
And so we jumped in the car, and I, I took them, loaded them up, tears and all, no, no cake, and I loaded them up in the car, and we went downtown to this new ice cream joint called the Little Dipper. And uh, I got a vanilla dip cone dipped in peanut butter rolled in Oreo crumbs. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. The guy that owns his name's Joseph. Tell him Nathan sent you. Here's what my daughter's got. Here's a picture of it. Um, Lydia on the right, she got Lucky Charms marshmallows and Captain Crunch. And Leah on the left, she got graham crackers, Oreos, and chocolate chips. When I took that picture, I looked at my girls and I said, now isn't that better than three-day-old cake? And they both nodded at me. Isn't it interesting sometimes when God makes a promise, I've got something better for you. I've got a path of righteousness that leads to joy and satisfaction and things beyond your wildest imagination. Isn't it interesting sometimes how we'll look at God and we'll say, but I want the three-day-old cake. No, God, I, th this is what I find my joy and my happiness and my satisfaction. This is what I want to have. No, God, I work hard for it. I, I want this. And God says, no, but you don't, you don't understand. I got something for you. Dad has something for you. And when you choose the path of righteousness that God has for you, you'll reach the end and realize that the good father, the good shepherd looks at you and says, hey, this is a lot better than that three-day-old cake, isn't it? But we fight and we push away and we're like, oh, no, I don't want that. No, God, you don't know what you're talking about. This is what I want. This is what I, I want to have. Not even realizing that if you learn how to trust and follow God down the path that he has for your life, then what he has for you is so much better than three-day-old cake. He has a path for your life. And if you'll follow him for his name's sake and for his glory, you'll understand and receive what he has for you. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Part of the job of a shepherd is to protect the sheep from predators, wolves, coyotes, lions, tigers, bears, oh my, all of that stuff is the shepherd's responsibility. The sheep cannot protect themselves. And so it's the shepherd's responsibility. And oftentimes the shepherd or the predators live in between uh, one feeding spot and the next. And so there's a grassy area that, that we have, and then there's a, a walkway, a pathway amongst the rocks, a smaller path up the mountain that leads maybe to another grassy area. And so there's a lot of uh, transportation that the shepherd does, taking the sheep from one place of good uh, grass and water to the next. And sometimes the in-between can be very difficult. The in-between can feel like a dark valley. It can feel like there is danger. It can bring a sense of anxiety to us. But I learned something about that time during the valley uh, when sheep feel scared, when they feel and know that they're in a difficult situation. The sheep will do two things. They will get closer to each other and get closer to the shepherd. They, they, they pack they, they don't wander off and, and, and don't separate themselves. They don't move away from the shepherd. They form a pack. And it's, I think that's so interesting because, you know, when, when people have difficulty in their life, that's oftentimes the opposite of what they end up doing. There'll be someone that, that I haven't seen in a while or, or haven't, hasn't been to Revo on a Sunday in a while. I recognize that they're not here or hasn't been to a small group in a while or they're not serving on their team. And so I'll call them. I'll say, hey, man, miss you. Uh, just want to make sure you're okay. And, and it happens almost every time. Like, yeah, man, just a really difficult time in life right now. 
struggling with my marriage or struggling financially or just facing some difficult hurdles. And man, I, I, I just need, I need some time to work on me right now. I just, need some, I just need to take some time. And I'm like, wait, wait. So in your darkest times, you made the decision to push away from the pack and away from the shepherd? Like, are you trying to get killed? Like, you, you, you decided when you were going through some difficulty, instead of surrounding yourself with the people that are in your community that love Jesus, that love you, that want to help you, like, you decided to stop showing up? That, that, that at a time where you needed to lean into God the most, you decided to quit going to church? Like, what's, what's going on here? And instead of doing what sheep do, instead of getting closer to the shepherd in the darkest times and closer to each other, what people in the world today is they face a difficulty and they leave. And they isolate themselves. And they get mad at the shepherd. And they don't like the other sheep. Isn't that crazy? Where as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when sheep get closer to the shepherd and closer to each other, then they will fear no evil. For the rod and the staff, they comfort me. I like that. There's two tools that the shepherd uses. He uses a rod and he uses a staff. Now, when I say rod, think baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire, okay? Any predator that comes to attack the sheep, the shepherd will take that rod and beat the thing mercilessly until it dies. So there's this aspect of even during our most darkest times, we rely on God to be our protector, but it's also the staff. The staff is like the thing that little Bo Peep carries with the little hook on the top of it. So here's how shepherds will guide sheep to go in the right direction. They will take that long staff and they will put it on the side of the sheep and tap it on the side if they want it to go left or tap it on the side to go right. And so David here says, do you know that when God as the great shepherd leads and guides his sheep. Not only does he protect the sheep with the rod, but did you know that God has ways of nudging you in the right direction, of speaking to you, of helping you, of guiding you, just to make, because he knows the path to righteousness. He knows the plan that he has for your life, and he's even willing to take that staff and, and nudge you so that you won't miss out on what God has for you. The end of the staff has a little crook on it, so if the sheep falls over or gets stuck in a hole or falls in the water. The shepherd grabs the hook and can pull the sheep out. The shepherd is the rescuer of the sheep, especially in the dark moments. But why? In the darkest valleys, in the most difficult moments, why do we have the tendency to yell at the shepherd and get away from the rest of the sheep and, and blame God for all of the darkness in the valleys? The, the second point that we got to understand from this is God is closest in the darkness. The darkness is not a time, the valley is not a time to push away from God. It's a time to lean into God and to surround yourself with people that understand that and know that and know Jesus can love you and encourage you and help you get through it. God is closest in the darkness. I'm so thankful that Paul wrote, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm glad that Paul did not write, even though we get stuck in the valley. Even though we get in the middle of the valley and we get tired of the valley and we try to turn around and walk the other way. Even though we walk through the valley. It doesn't say even though we get in the middle of the valley and we get mad at God and so we sit down and have a pity party in the middle of the valley because we're in a valley and because it's dark and because it's hard and we yell at the shepherd for bringing us through the valley. <laughs> no, Paul acknowledges that there will be valleys 
that there will be difficult seasons, but he says we will walk through those. And you know who will be with you as you walk through those? The shepherd will always be there. He's not promising that your path will never include valleys or dark times. He's promising that you will never go through a valley and be alone. And so the good shepherd helps us get through the seasons. And some of you are in a season right now where you would call them, this is a dark valley. There are barriers, there are obstacles that are facing me that I don't know how I'm going to get through. I don't know the answer. And you got a choice. You can either lean into the shepherd and continue to walk forward, or you can throw a pity party and isolate yourself and, and get mad and end up dying in the valley. But the good shepherd leads, guides, and protects. And understand that what you're going through is a season. It's one scene in the story. It's not your life. It's not going to define you. If you continue to walk and follow the leading and the guiding of Jesus. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And there's even a place that we can enjoy in the presence of our enemies. Interesting fact, if a predator sees the shepherd with the sheep, then the predator will not attack the sheep. Uh, almost all sheep fatalities, if you're interested in sheep fatalities, almost all sheep fatalities happen at night because the predators can't see and can't find the shepherd because they're laying down or it's dark and they can't see it. If they see the shepherd, the, the predators will stay away. And so David says, I can bring the sheep, as a good shepherd, I can bring the sheep in the middle of an area where they're eating grass and in the woods and in the rocks and in the caves behind, there can be predators everywhere. But as long as the shepherd is there, then he prepares a table for me, even in the presence of my enemies. If God is there, then even the predators stay at bay. They only attack when we begin to push ourselves away and isolate ourselves and stop trusting in God. That's what the good shepherd does. He's always watching, always on guard. He knows when you've been sleeping, knows when you're awake, knows if you've been bad or good. <laughs> sort of. Some language here, he says, the good shepherd will anoint my head with oil. Um, here's, here's a gross fact about sheep. Um, flies will swarm around a sheep's head, and they will look for any kind of uh, wet or moist area on the sheep, their nostrils, their mouth, their ears, and they'll swarm, and they will lay eggs, larvae, inside any of the wet areas on a sheep. And uh, when those larvae hatch inside a sheep's ears or mouth or nose, then those worms, those maggots, will then crawl into and penetrate the sheep's brain and will ultimately lead to the sheep's death. And shepherds know that this is happening when they see sheep banging their head up against a wall or up against a tree trying to get some sort of comfort. They know that they have gotten inside their head. And so here's what happens. Um, a, sh a shepherd will rub oil all over their hands, and they will just rub that oil all over the sheep, the face, the ears, the head, because the oil keeps the flies away. I don't know when the last time you've had something on your mind that it was all you could think about, and it kept you up at night, and it consumed you, and you worried about it, and it made you sick. Or it's something you've been trying to fix and it feels like you are beating your head up against the wall trying to find a solution. It is driving you crazy. 
And David says, even the good shepherd anoints your head with oil to give you the peace that you desire, to help you not to be consumed with the things that worry you, consumed with the things that keep other people up at night. When you have a good shepherd, you can learn to lean in and trust in that moment. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last thing is this, man. This is the funeral text right here. Verse 6 is when, when everybody breathes a sigh of relief at the funeral because when you're at a funeral and, and I'm standing in front of a casket with a dead body in it, they want to know, well, that, that, that person's not there. Like they made a decision to follow Jesus and so this, this is just, a, this just a, an old body. Because this scripture says that not only will Jesus change your life here on earth, surely goodness and mercy will follow me every day of my life, but... I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so it brings great comfort to people to know that you can worship Jesus, make a decision to follow Jesus, and Jesus is both and. That's the last thing. Jesus is a both and God. He changes your life now, and goodness and mercy will follow you even till the end of your days here on earth. And then, and it gets better, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what the good shepherd does. That's the invitation I want to issue you this morning. But here's the hard part. you got to admit you're a sheep. And sheep are slow, and they're helpless. And sheep get into trouble and need someone to bail them out. And sheep are easily frightened and easily overwhelmed. But until you're willing to admit that's who you are, you'll never understand your true need for the Good Shepherd. You'll never understand the magnitude of the gift that Christ gave for you when he gave his life on the cross. But surely goodness and mercy will follow you. Surely the path of righteousness for his name's sake will lead to joy and fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose. That is the invitation for you this morning. Meet the good shepherd. Admit that you're a sheep just like everybody else in desperate need of a shepherd. And this morning, Jesus will do exactly what he promised in the Gospels. He says, I will leave the 99 to go after the one that is lost. And maybe this morning you showed up here and surprise, Jesus found you. And it's now your turn to experience life change through the Good Shepherd.